Well, 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 I just can't believe it. Coming out in May of 2022, and just to give you perspective, this is being taped on April the 22nd, 2022. The Green Journal is going to have a brand new manuscript come out as original research. The title is Chromosomal Microarray Analysis Compared with Non-Invasive Prenatal Testing in Pregnancies that Have an Abnormal Maternal Serum Screen. Boy, that's a big topic, right? I mean, that's a big title. But what does that even mean? Well, we just discussed that in our immediately previous, immediately previous, immediately prior, in our last podcast. Look, I grew up on the border of Texas and Mexico, so English sometimes gets in the way, okay? Anyway, the title is, Should We Do a NIPS Test After Maternal Serum Screening Shows an Abnormality, or Should We Just Go Straight for Chromosomal Microarray? Remember, we touched on this just in that last podcast, because we said in those who want to avoid an invasive procedure, and they have an abnormal serum analyte screen, meaning a, an abnormal quad test or a penta screen, if that's what they got although that's done more in research settings. If they want to avoid an amniocentesis, then you can get them a NIPS test. And if it's negative, it's a little bit more reassuring. But it is absolutely not the same as chromosomal microarray. So let's dive into this real quick summary because this is hot. This is a big deal, especially since the FDA just released that warning. Is that weird how stuff comes out? Remember, April 19th, FDA says, y'all are misusing those NIPS tests. And then, coming out in May of 2022, this new article is coming out. Okay, so let's cover this new article with the title, Chromosomal Microarray Analysis Compared with Non-Invasive Prenatal Testing in Pregnancies with Abnormal Maternal Serum Screening, coming out in May 2022 in the Green Journal. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves fast. This is Clinical Pearls. So let's put this into context. Remember that cell-free DNA can be done at around 9 to 10 weeks all throughout pregnancy up until term. But usually, maternal serum analyte screening, analyte screens means using the biomarkers, is typically done in the second trimester. Remember that initially, it was just AFP by itself, and that didn't do very well. And then it went to a triple test that uses AFP, human chorionic gonadotropin, and unconjugated estriol. Well, then the addition of inhibin now made it a quad test. So a quad test is typically what we're talking about when people say maternal serum analyte screening. There is maternal screening in the first trimester that uses PEP-A. That's pregnancy-associated placental protein A, but usually that's in combination with nuchal translucency. And a quick word about chromosomal microarray analysis. Remember, that is not the same thing as karyotype. Karyotype, which is very old school, is literally taking the cells, breaking the nucleus apart, getting the chromosomes, and counting them. That's it. One, two, three, four, and making them into pairs. That's all you really get. Nothing wrong with that, but it's definitely not as sensitive as karyotype 2.0, which is chromosomal microarray. Chromosomal microarray analysis is a method of measuring gains and losses of DNA throughout the human genome, so it can identify chromosomal aneuploidy and other large changes in the structure of chromosomes that would otherwise be missed by standard karyotype analysis. This can also find submicroscopic abnormalities that are too small to be detected by traditional modalities, and it can also find something called copy number variants. 
Because chromosomal microarray analysis can detect clinically significant findings in about 1% of all low-risk pregnancies, several studies have examined the yield of this technique in pregnancies with abnormal maternal serum screening. In other words, let's say an abnormal quad test. Remember, serum analyte screening. Those studies have shown that in addition to karyotype-detected anomalies, chromosomal microarray analysis can detect additional significant findings in 2 to 3% of patients. But there's actually a lack of data about how microarray analysis can help in high-risk pregnancies that have an abnormal serum screen, like a quad test, and those patients who opt for non-invasive prenatal testing as an alternative to true diagnostic testing. All right. That's a lot of words. Here it is. There was not a lot of data until this paper came out. In women that were above, let's say, 35 years of age, whose serum analyte screen says, hey, something may be wrong, and then they just opt for the non-invasive test that's negative, and then they feel comfortable comparing those who went to those who go straight to microanalysis. But now we've got information, and the answer is pretty frightening. Now, let's set this record straight right now, okay? This isn't an RCT. This is not a prospective study. So, yes, it's a retrospective cohort. Those aren't perfect, but it still gives information because some studies are just easier to do retrospective like this. This retrospective study included all chromosomal microarray analysis test results that were performed in pregnancies with abnormal maternal serum screening and a normal ultrasound review over the last years of 2013 to 2021. Now here's what they did. They did a calculation of a residual risk for clinically significant chromosomal microarray analysis results after normal NIPS test was performed. So here's what that means. They said, whoa, we found a microarray chromosomal abnormality. And if you look at what NIPS actually can check, that would have been missed. Okay, so that's the calculation that's done there. What was truly found on diagnostic testing, that's why it's the gold standard. And then let's check what NIPS can find out and let's see if there's a discrepancy there or if there's agreement. Well, what did they find out? Of the 559 amniocentesis that were performed, because the mother, remember, initially had an abnormal maternal serum screening, 3.8% of those were clinically significant chromosomal abnormalities. The residual risk for chromosomal microarray analysis after theoretically normal NIPs was estimated to be about 2%. Now, here's something that was unexpected and kind of weird. Remember, that 2% is a theoretical risk of having a normal NIPs test after the abnormal microarray results was already known. But that probability was actually higher. That 1 in 50 was higher for women younger than age 35 who had an abnormal maternal serum screening compared to women with other low-risk pregnancies that screened normal. So the idea is just because they're younger, they're not out of risk. If that maternal quad screen was abnormal, actually NIPS test may have missed it and microarray analysis would have found a pathologically significant abnormality. Well, what about women who are above the age of 35? Well, interestingly, none of the previous studies explored the yield of chromosomal microarray analysis in pregnancies with abnormal maternal serum screening based on maternal age. 
But in this study, a subgroup of women older than age 35 with abnormal serum screening, the risk for abnormal chromosomal microarray analysis, or the risk of trisomy 21 specifically, was not increased compared with the baseline risk, in other words, pregnant women with advanced maternal age, with a normal serum screening result. In other words, there's no increase in microarray abnormality just based on their age because they are already at risk of a higher chromosomal abnormality likelihood based on their age alone. So the authors state, this suggests that invasive testing should really be performed in all pregnancies of women older than age 35, regardless of the results of maternal serum screening. So they go, just go straight to microarray analysis because it's just better. Now, remember, ACOG states that we shouldn't reserve microarray analysis for those that are 35 years of age or older, but can be offered to all women, to all pregnancies, regardless of age. But specifically in 35 and above, that's a good idea. The take-home is that clinically significant chromosomal microarray analysis findings can be found in one of every 50 pregnancies with a high-risk maternal serum screening after a theoretically normal non-invasive prenatal test. This implies that invasive testing, not NIPS, should be the recommended gold standard in pregnancies that have an abnormal quad. Now remember, this is just talking about abnormal quads, not talking about those who go straight to have a NIPS test. Remember, NIPS stands kind of alone, and if you get a no-call result, then you can repeat it, although that's questionable, but you're kind of done. It's a one-and-go. But if you have an abnormal quad, the college says, you know, you can offer them a non-invasive test if they want to, knowing the limitations. But it's not the same as microarray analysis, and that's just been proven in this upcoming study coming out in May of 2022. And here's another kind of weird blow to NIPS test that the authors of this new study put out, and they make sure to put this right into their discussion and conclusion. They give a reminder that, quote, NIPS use as a first-tier screening modality instead of maternal serum screening would miss pregnancies at increased risk not only for common autosomal trisomies, but for additional chromosomal microarray analysis detectable disorders, end quote. Remember, NIPS is great, and it's very sensitive and specific, but only for what it's checking for. Remember, trisomy 13, 18, 21, and sex chromosome abnormalities. That's kind of it. Yes, we've talked about in the other podcasts, single gene issues uh, and micro deletions that we're not sure what to do with right now, but that's pretty much it. So while you get better sensitivity and specificity for things like Down syndrome, trisomy 21, you don't screen for everything else. Meanwhile, quad serum screening gets a lot of other abnormalities, but it kind of drops in sensitivity and specificity. So it really is a pros and cons issue, and this is why you just can't offer the patient one thing. They have to be told this uh, to really make informed consent. And if you're thinking, hey, I don't have time to go through all that, I tell them about self-free DNA and that's it. That's kind of terrible. I mean, we do that and it really does not take that much time. Or you can actually assign that to somebody who's trained as as your genetic reviewer in the office. Our residents do that. Our faculty do that. It really doesn't take that much time. It's important that patients understand what they're getting because they're putting a lot of trust in you and in the test that their child is, quote, quote, free of some genetic abnormality. Of course, the only way to really know that is to get an invasive test, either CVS or amniocentesis, for microarray chromosomal abnormalities. 
Podcast family, here's the most important finding of this study, according to the author's own words, and here's the clinical pearl. Here's the take-home message. The most important finding in this study is not only that non-invasive prenatal tests cannot substitute for chromosomal microarray analysis in pregnancies with abnormal maternal serum screening, but that in women younger than 35 years of age, NIPS cannot substitute for maternal serum screening itself. Additional drawbacks of NIPS includes its inability to screen for neural tube defects and for various endocrine fetal disorders based on maternal serum AFP and estriol levels, respectfully. All right. Well, we've just wrapped up a new study coming out about 10 days from now in the Green Journal. This is coming out in May 2022, and it focuses on NIPS test. I just think this is weird timing. Maybe they planned this thing. I don't know. That conspiracy theory that the FDA just released in April the 19th, 2022, the warning on NIPS. And now this comes out with boxing gloves. Boom, boom. and kind of gives another blow to NIPS. By the way, Please don't send me messages. I'm not anti-cell-free DNA at all. I'm just pro-medical education. I'm just here to let you know what's out. And again, the patient should choose what is best for them. But if we feel that NIPS test is the absolute gold standard that may be more marketing-driven than actual medical education and medical science. As always, we're thankful for you. Thanks for being part of our podcast family. And we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls. 